0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So my name is Andrew. I am the 8.30 service pastor, uh, along with my wife, Phoebe, if I haven't had the chance to meet you. Um, And uh, in, in the 8.30 service, we have been running through the book of Genesis, so we take a chunk. Um, every week, we're doing it over about 20 weeks, so 50 chapters in Genesis. Um, we do about two or three every week. And um, we're up to the part where we're talking about Jacob and Esau. Um, and so we've been learning about Jacob probably last week and, and this morning as well through, through Phoebe. And um, Jacob was an interesting guy because the nation of Israel uh, comes from his lineage 38 generations after Jacob was on earth, Jesus came. So Jesus comes from that line. And this guy has an amazing legacy. But as, uh, as we learnt this morning in the 8.30 service for those people who were here, um, he was... He was a bit of a piece of work, old Jacob. So he, um, he was very deceptive. He, his name means clasping the heel, clutching the heel, um, because he was the younger of two twins, and he came out holding onto his older brother's foot. Now, women, how about that as an image for childbirth? You think one's bad enough, um, I'm told. It's pretty bad. Um, but two at the same time, all the way through, no epidural, nothing like that. That's hard work. Anyway, Jacob... Jacob had quite a few qualities that were a little bit, how are you going? He, um, he was very deceptive, so he stole his brother's birthright. Uh, I don't know how well-versed you are in this story, but Jacob um, tricked his father to earn Esau's birthright. Um, he was very dishonest when his father-in-law was employing him. He himself got tricked into um, marrying the wrong woman. It's all there in Genesis. You can read about 10 or so chapters um, to to refresh your memory or to learn of it for the first time, but Jacob himself um, he was quite a tenacious guy, and he what set him apart from all the other average kind of people, all the other heavy sinners in that time was that he had this elevated perspective of who God was and is and and what that meant for his life and so that's where God chose him, that's where God grabbed him and I think that that image of him coming out of the womb, not to be too graphic, don't worry, I'm not going to go that far into too much detail, but that image of him holding his brother's foot just shows how he held on to God throughout his whole life. His whole life, no matter what happened, no matter how bad things got, no matter how many sketchy things he did, he still had this devotion to God And he was aware of his sin, but which made his perspective of God elevated above his peers. So Jacob, he held on to God his whole life um, and the Lord blessed him and his offspring greatly. So my first point today, as we're talking about an elevated perspective, I'm going to give you three points. I'm going to share some stories and hopefully we can... Change, some, change our own perspectives on some things in life this morning over the next 20 or so minutes. Um, my first point in how to have an elevated perspective above your life circumstances, above your problems, above the good stuff too, is to always hold on to God. So in Genesis 28, Jacob has this, this vivid dream, it's a godly dream where um, the st- his stairway to heaven or you might have heard it as Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder was um, uh, uh, referred onwards in the Bible uh, elsewhere. But he, he wakes up from this really vivid dream of an angel of God coming down this stairway from heaven and he says this, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Jacob was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, I don't know if you've had a dream like this before. I haven't, but I read this and I think, I wouldn't mind some of that. I wouldn't mind a touch of heaven. I wouldn't mind waking up a different person that next morning after God imparts wisdom and an experience into my dreams. But when we encounter God, We've got no other reaction but to hold on to him because our perspective changed. You imagine such a vivid dream coming into your um, mind and sitting in your spirit. It changes your life. It changes your identity. It changes the way you think about things. And as we read on about Jacob and who he was and what he did, we see that every time God touched his life, his perspective changed a little. And he was so responsive to what happened in that moment that he just got bigger. His world got bigger. His perspective of God and life and people got bigger. And he used that as a stepping stone or a platform just to impact the nations. And he was so faithful and his character developed and his Ethics developed and his conscience developed because God kept giving him these moments where he responded. God gives us moments all the time. God teaches us things all the time. God uses reflections all the time. He may not give us um, big dreams that are vivid. He may not give us booming words, audible words um, that change our life. But if we, if we read Jacob, uh, Jacob's account in Genesis, there's two or three instances where God really rocks his life and over the course of a lifetime 70 80 years in Jacob's case it was well over 100 that's all you need so if we're coming into 2022 and we're a little bit weary and let's all face it we're all a little bit weary we haven't been able to go to Bali for two years we've been working hard if we're running businesses we're short-staffed whatever it might be we're all a little bit weary we're sick of wearing masks, aren't we? Can I get a mmm? Yeah? Mm, all right, because I don't know if we can all say yeah because uh, we can't sing. But anyway, but when you encounter God once, twice, a couple of times in your life, your whole perspective can change and your whole life can change if you hang on to that. We're going to pray for that later on. Um, and so when, when his daughter, his only daughter, was victimised, and his sons went out and destroyed that land. They killed people. They, they, they looted and they took women and children for themselves. Isaac just had this higher leveled perspective. So he had this daughter who was defiled and she had this awful experience and that righteous anger that, um, that he displayed all through his life was just submerged under this new perspective, this this God spirit in him where previously he would have reacted and he would have said to his sons, boys, go out and avenge this. This is a horrible sin. But he went, no, no, hang on. Guys, don't fight. Don't avenge this circumstance. Let's just wait. Let's just pray because it could get nasty and everything in him, and i think as a father myself if something happened to my kids yeah i'd be really trying to fight against that that carnal urge to just avenge whatever that was but he had this high perspective because he knew that god was on his side that god would avenge and it came to pass we don't have the time to go into it today but at that moment where he where he decided that and he said to his sons look we're going to get we're actually going to cleanse ourselves, right? Instead of playing in the weeds with these guys that defiled my daughter, we're actually going to throw out all foreign gods. We're going to um, point to the Lord. He built an altar. He had this habit of building altars wherever he went, wherever there was a God moment. He built an altar, anointed it with oil, prayed over it. Um, That's where we get the term Bethel because he kept going back to this place where it was his uh, place where he would realign his perspective and he went on to, um, to have an encounter with God again after this moment where God said, all right, Jacob, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you the name Israel. Where Jacob means he grasps at the heel, Israel means he struggles with God. And struggle doesn't always mean a bad thing. In ancient civilizations, we they, they love wrestling. We, in the Olympics, we have Greco-Roman wrestling now. And uh, it was a way of... Two fellas just sorting out a disagreement. That was just a way of, of sorting it out. Instead of going through the courts, um, you know, get down, have a bit of a wrestle, see who wins, and then that's the winner. That's the fact. That's where we, get, that's where we go uh, to, to work out disagreements. And we, we understand that Jacob um, has this wrestle with God. He encounters with God and, he, and, he, and, it's, and it, it doesn't even get to a result. It's on points. Wrestles all night because he's always aiming for higher things. He's always holding on to um, what God has, to, has for him. And that's what I love about him, because he, he's tenacious, he's deceptive, but he always wanted the best things. He always wanted the most beautiful wife. He eventually got that. He always wanted um, to be prosperous so that he could give back to God, and he got that as well. He didn't always do things the right way, but he got there in the end. So his name means he struggles with God. Now, struggle can be a good or a bad thing, and you might have a struggle that you're wrestling with God with today, this week, this year, this chapter of your life, and that's okay because God can handle that. He can wrestle with you as you mull things over. If you're trying to figure out a piece of theology that doesn't sit right with you, if you're trying to uh, re-engage in a relationship with him, if you're trying to just just give your faith a bit of a kickstart. Whatever it might be, God's big enough to handle your struggle and your wrestle, and He just wants to have you engage with Him so that we can aim for higher things. So when you when you struggle with God, when you wrestle with God, it's as if you're coming into Him and say, "God, I want to sort out this problem. I'm gonna I'm gonna get down in the weeds with you, and and I want to actually sort it out for good because I want to be above it. I want to have an elevated perspective on this. I want to be able to overcome this so I can get more power." powerful and more uh, capable to sort out the next problem that comes my way because they're going to keep coming aren't they problems are going to keep coming in our lives you don't have to settle that difference you just have to wrestle with it in order to elevate your perspective and get over it and bring God into it so that's what thinking big is all about and that brings me to my second point think big so we serve a big God And we should think big, Um, just like Jacob did. I want to tell you about a guy called Thomas Clarkson. I learned about him about 12 months ago. Thomas Clarkson um, was really the engine room in England that brought about the abolishment of slavery. So I actually learned about this um, at the time where, I don't know if you saw on the news, but there's a, a town called Bristol in the UK and you might have seen this in the heat of the Black Lives Matter movement where um, an angry mob pulled down this statue and pushed it into a harbour. Anyone, does anyone remember seeing that on the news? Um, it, was, it was quite prominent and it featured in the newsreels for the rest of that year. Um, but Thomas Clarkson lived in Bristol um, in the 1700s and and 1800s, and he um, he had this major vision all from writing an essay um, at Cambridge University based on this line, is it lawful to make a slave of someone against their will? And we listened to that sentence and think, yeah, <laughs> why, why do we need to write an essay? But at, at that time, that was the backbone of the economy, slave trading. And um, and Thomas Clarkson was a, was a man who... Um, who was quite the scholar, and uh, he looks pretty smart there, I reckon. Pensive, looks like he's deep in thought, I don't know. Um, might have been thinking about what, he, what his wife was cooking for dinner that night. Might have been thinking about how to change the world. I don't know, but that's a pretty cool oil painting. Um, but anyway, so he lived for a while, and um, if you show the, the photo on the next slide... This is a photo of a pub in Bristol. So 12 months ago, I was living in Bristol. I lived near um, this pub. It was closed for most of the time that I was living there because of COVID. But as you can see, that's a standard-sized station wagon. That is not a standard-sized pub. That is a tiny pub. There's blokes in this room that have sheds bigger than that pub. That's tiny. Anyway, Thomas Clarkson um, based himself in Bristol where it was really the hub of the slave trading um, movement. So in 1807, he was formative in pushing through the Slave Trade Act and he spent a lot of time in this pub interviewing people. So people would come from Africa on ships and they'd be shackled and they'd be handcuffed and they'd be dropped off in these housing docks um, and custom houses and, um, and holding cells in Bristol. And, um, and what you saw on the news with that statue being dragged into the harbour was a man called Edward Colston. Now, everything in Bristol is named after Edward Colston. They have Colston Road, which is the main road. They have Colston Hall, which is the town hall. They have Colston Pub. They have these – he has staircases. He has churches because he gained a lot of money from the slave trade. But at the same time, there was this bloke, Thomas Clarkson, who was thinking big but he started small. And he was mates with a guy called William Wilberforce And, and he knew of John Newton. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace and we were singing those lyrics today. John Newton was on the other side but he was a Christian in the end and then he wrote Amazing Grace and we sing those words. Now, Thomas Clarkson was a man who thought big. He thought after writing that essay, how am I going to make a change here? What am I going to do, God? He was a religious man and so he thought, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to think big but I'm going to start small. And so you can elevate your thinking just by starting small. And that's my third point for this morning. Um, Thomas Clarkson, in that pub, the Seven Stars, um, drafted letters to Parliament to his mate William Wilberforce and he interviewed 20,000 slaves over decades. Now, I've been working in human resources for a decade I am nowhere near interviewing that many people. Good, bad, indifferent, 20,000 interviews, slaves, getting their accounts, understanding their plight, getting shackles, getting handcuffs off the boat, taking it to London and saying, guys, do you understand what we're doing here? If we're going to talk about God blessing, not God blessing the the United Kingdom, what are they, Royal Britannia or whatever, they were a Christian nation. Yeah? They, were, they were colonialists. They were pushing their God agenda across the world um, in the name of the royal family. And the little Thomas Clarkson, the humble Thomas Clarkson with his mate William Wilberforce and a bunch of other merry men were saying to the House of Commons, we can't do this. We just can't do this. And so one by one they were getting interviews. They were getting slave accounts and saying this is, this is a blight on humanity. And so the Slave Trading Act of 1807... Abolish slavery, but it wasn't until 1833, some years later, where the Slavery Abolition Act gave slaves their freedom. It took a long time. He devoted his whole life, simple, small steps. He started really, really small. Um, Jacob did the same thing as well. Jacob had these God moments. He didn't know what to do. He didn't ask for them. He just had them because he wanted more. He said, "God use me. God, I want to be, um, I want to be blessed God." And there's nothing wrong with that. His motives weren't always clean, but God, in his sovereignty, through the Abrahamic covenant, said, "Yeah mate, I'm going to, I'm going to use you. If you'll honor me, keep turning to me, keep holding on to me, think big, start small." And you know what? He, had, he was the father of nations. Israel, the father of nations, 12 tribes of Israel plus a daughter and 38 generations later through the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ was born. So God knew all of that. God foresaw all of that. And God foresees circumstances and plights and wrongdoings and, and triumphs in our own lives today. And he will he will work with those the good the bad the indifferent the the missed responses that we just don't see uh, the God moments that we pass around or pass through or or ignore or whatever it might be he still wants to work big things in our lives if we want to think big if we. Just be obedient and start small if we hold on to God, if we hold on to these encounters with God where the Holy Spirit touches our lives and moves us into what God wills for our life. And so Jacob had this habit of honouring God with an altar after every encounter that he had and God spoke audibly to him, God even, there's two accounts where we read that God came down to, to be with him, to wrestle with him or to give him an encounter. And so I love this time of year. I love the fact that we have this weird period between Christmas and whenever in January, where we get a reset, we get a refresh, we get a restart, and we get to reflect on the year that has happened and we look to the year that is to come. And it forms our conversations. Hey, did you have a good Christmas? Do you have a good new year? What are you planning for for 2022? What does it look like? Um, hey, have you? Have you failed on your, um, your New Year's resolutions yet? I have, ha, 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 and all of those things. But we have, we have the opportunity to come to God today and say, you know what, God, I'm weary, but I'm still holding on to you. Do you have something big for me? Do you have something great for me? Do you have something? Is he behind there? Is he in the room? Anyway. Um, Do you have something for me that I can have today where I can hold on to and that I can move into the next stage or onto the next platform that you have for my life? I don't know if you believe that this morning. I don't know if you feel that this morning, but I certainly do. I, I feel like God can move within us, for us and through us So that people can be touched. See, Jacob changed his perspective and God changed him. Are you willing to change your perspective this morning so that God can change you? He might need to change you slightly, he might need to change you on a wholesale level, but God will change you if you say, Yeah, God, I want to be changed. I want a higher perspective. I want to elevate my thinking. I'm willing to start small. I'm willing to think big. I'm willing to do whatever, um, whatever you want me to do. We were singing just before. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. So yes, God, I will do that and amen, I agree to it, whatever it might be. You know what? Whenever I've responded to God, And it hasn't been every time. I'll be be frank with you. Whenever I've responded to God, the yes and amen has always been better. I don't have time to go into testimony here this morning, Um, but it's always been better. And you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, Andrew, I I agree. I totally agree. Every time I've said yes and amen, it's happened. Something's changed. Something's happened in my spirit. It's It's tangible. I felt it. It's like... Like a, My whole senses have been changed and God will give you a touch of heaven if you look up and hold on to him. Yeah? So we're going to pray. We're going to get into um, a bit of a chat if you'll uh, if join with me. Father God, I thank you so much that thousands of years later, when we're reading the account of Jacob, hundreds of years later, when we're learning about Faithful nobodies who said yes and amen to you. We we can see that you move, you want to move, you want to change our perspectives, you want to be you want to be tangible in the lives, in the spirits of the believers. You want to bless generations still, you want to change societies still, you want to do everything you can so that your glory can shine and so Father I just pray over the people here this morning the faithful ones who are are here and who want a touch of you and who have been able to get here too we pray a special prayer over the people who are isolating at the moment who want to be here pray a, a special blessing over the people who are watching online this morning just ask that your spirit will be with them your spirit will be with everyone here too just ask Lord that you will just elevate our perspective. We're weary, Lord. We need refreshment. We need change. If we can't go through it, we can't go around it, we'll elevate above it. And we'll still be dragged through it, Lord. We acknowledge that. It's going to be hard. We know that Jacob walked with a limp after that moment where he wrestled with you. And so, Lord, we're just... Just pray that you'll help us to limp through if we have to. But may our spirits soar. Even though our bodies may be decaying, may our spirits soar. May we we look at the same circumstances, the same chapter, the same people, the same job, the same finances, the same balance sheet with a different perspective because of you, because we hold on to you, because the Holy Spirit in us just elevates us. Let just pray this in your mighty name.
1: Amen. Hey, mate. How hey, buddy. Sitting up already ready to roll. Yeah? You thought you You're game go. enough to sit in the seats, mate? Or? Well,
0: I might have to stretch my hammies before I get down. Um, yeah. But did you get up here when we were praying, just so people didn't see you, Fall. try and
1: get into the seat? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and to check out what we've got going on in here. We we have? Any little, yeah, nothing in there. Yeah. Spewing. Anyway. They didn't look after us too well there, mate. What's no, that's exactly on? right. Very good. So... This is my favourite part, this is where we get to be able to talk about um, how this message applies to our life and, and I thought it was a great message mate. I'd say um, for anybody that's ever been stuck before, put, it here, put your hand up if you've ever felt stuck in life, yeah, or you currently might feel stuck. I would say that this message is key to us being able to move forward from our stuckness. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna ask you some questions. That was a really good message, mate. So first, um, I love what you said about Jacob holding on to God no matter what, and that's obviously your first point, holding on to God. So, what does this look like for you, mate? Obviously, you've you've got a you're a family man. You've got a couple of kids. You've um, got a career, and you've just made a big move. So you've you've had a lot of things shifting in your world over the last twelve months. So. You know, not easy when you when you change. You know, you have got a young family, everything going on. What does holding on to God look like in your world?
0: Yeah, I think um, you you try and you try and control as much as you can, but when you know that when you pray those prayers of God, where do you want me? How do you want to use me? Um, where do you want me to be? You, you have to relinquish that yeah. control, um, which is kind of funny to say when I've been talking about holding on to God. Um, but part of that is if, you, if you're holding on to God, um, you have to relinquish a little bit of your own agenda. And yeah, God can still use point. your agenda, yeah. um, but uh, just have to align it with, with what he wants for you. And you may not, ever know, you may not know that coming through, um, but you know that uh, in hindsight you might get that confirmation. Um, I reckon Pastor Daz spoke about this really well last week, talking about charting the course. Um, and if you weren't here, that would be a good podcast to to listen to because um, he's kind of already answered that. But um, one thing that I, uh, I didn't talk about was that when Jacob had encounters with God, the first one that we see is when he's running away from Esau, his brother, because... His brother says, I'm going to kill you. Um, (laughs) He's running away and he's running to a different land, Paddan Aram, um, where his uncle Laban is, Laban from Paddan Aram. Um, And he's he's going to go work for um, seven years for the wrong wife and then he gets his sister. The other time is when he... um, uh, kind of embezzles um, some livestock from Laban, Uncle mm-hmm. Laban, and wants to go back to the Promised Land. That's where he he wrestles with God. So there, those God encounters happen in transitions in his life or mm-hmm. between chapters um, in in Genesis. So it's um, it's really interesting. Now God doesn't have to wait for a transition to. Um, to speak to us or give us that like life-changing encounter. But it's often those moments in our life where we're running away from something or running to something or needing mm-hmm. a bit of direction where God goes, all right, I need you right now, and he, and he comes down and he, and he makes that move if we respond um, to him. But it's, it's those moments where you think mm. where, where you're more likely to, to turn to God anyway. So maybe your spirit's more in tune with God. I don't know. Um, depends on the circumstance and the person and whether God will move in that moment. Um, but don't be afraid to move. Take that small step. And, and you'll find out whether, um, whether it will be a good move or not. Um, mm. And as Pastor Daz said last week, wise counsel is always really helpful too. It's yeah, having cool. good people around you to say, hang on, you're going the wrong way, or no, you're going the right way, let me help you.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really good, mate. Yeah, it's, it's one of the big things too, isn't it? Is um, knowing that God is there for us. You know, I mentioned this scripture before when we were praying, and it was a, there's a scripture, and it says that God is by our side as our helper. Now, he's actually said that. You know, who would think that the God or the creator of the universe would be our helper? Mm. And yet he said that he's by our side as our helper. Yeah. You know, and, and when we understand that, we, we run to that, don't we? Mm. But if we don't understand it, we're less likely to run to him, uh, you know, desiring and thinking that he would, he would help us. Yeah. So it's um, sort of how we see God, isn't it, mm. when we go through things. Very good. That was really good, mate. So that was your first point, holding on to God. On to God. So the second point, elevated perspective, thinking big. That's massive, isn't it? Because again, we're talking about keys to be able to move ourselves through through the patterns of life. You know, the ups and downs of life. So first one, holding on to God, so important. But this, these next two, which which I thought was interesting, thinking big and starting small. They they they're on us, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So tell us, what's Think Big look like for you? Well, Think Big,
0: um, generally speaking, can be an idea that someone has given you or God has given you or you might be a natural dreamer. Um, Like, um, you know, like our senior pastors, they think big all the time. That's just their natural mode of thinking. And business leaders, um, you know, they think big because that's what they're, they're meant to do. But that means nothing and that's useless if you don't take those small steps. Mm. So it's just another pipe so, dream so that goes true, stale. Mate. So, you know, one of my best mates is always thinking big, but he's too lazy to make the, make the small steps. And he's, we've, uh, he's a strong Christian guy um, and he's always, he's always encouraged me to think big because he naturally thinks that way. Yeah. Um, but he's not a doer, whereas I'm more of a doer, yeah. um, but not a, a big... Thinker, um, as I get older, I get better at that. Um, but my natural proclivity is to mm. to just do, yeah. and then I reckon God gives gives you a bit of perspective um, when you need it. So mm. I don't know. It, it comes down to individuals how they um, how they're wired, and God knows that God and God will tailor the circumstances and and uh, and His encounters with you um, based on your natural proclivities there. Um, but yeah, I think when you move and particularly when you're Mm. uncomfortable in doing so, that's when God goes, oh, okay, they're in that mode that they're uncomfortable with, I better step in. And that's when, yeah, you really really start to
1: see him move. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's such a practical way, isn't it, of being able to um, move forward in God. Sometimes as Christians we can get stuck in the mud thinking, oh, what's God's will? I love the fact that there's so many scriptures and it talks about presenting our plans to God. Bring your plans to God, you know. Um, It's not that, you know, God's going to unveil everything the way we see it, like you've said, you know, we don't – but there's got to be a first step. Every single thing that's ever been built or done on earth started with a first step, started with an idea and then uh, brave enough to have a crack, you know, and God is on our side, you know. That's good. So we're starting to get a couple of questions come through. So um, how do I start small and have so many big ideas? We've got a couple of questions along that line um and here let me read this one so how do we manage to hold on to big dreams when things uh sorry when the feels like they're so small for a long time and no matter what you do you just can't seem to get a, a a start you know so what what would you say to somebody who has big dreams but really doesn't know what that first step is
0: yeah you can i think by the grace of god you can meddle around a bit and um you, you look at the Gospels and, you you know, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, you know, as they were fishing, you know, come follow me. And they're like, oh, all right. They kind of – they didn't know where they were going. There was no job description lined up. Um, you know, there was no employment contract, nothing like that. There was no certainty. Um, but they just did it anyway. Um mm-hmm. God can lead you in blind uh, and that's totally fine. I I just think I've always been um, of the practical nature, so I think you know what, I'll, I'll just start moving and God yeah. can steer me. He can pivot my present, exactly. but I, I've, I've got to move away from my past, mm. be it good or bad or just not not the right thing for this next stage of life. God can pivot me um, towards his promise. And you might circle around and that's totally fine. Um, you might take two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, yep. whatever it might be. You just got to move and God will, God will put the wind in your sales, um, so that's been my experience. Um, in in those big God moments, those pivoting moments in my life, and those pivotal mm. moments in my life, um, it's just been all right. Well, I'll just take one step and ask wise counsel. Um, ask f- ask for people to uh, tell people. And give them the licence to say, mate, you're doing it wrong, you're heading the wrong way, mm. or you've changed for the worse, or you've changed for the better, it must be a God thing. Yeah. Um, so God will just chart your course.
1: Yeah, that's really good. So we've got a really practical and heartfelt question, um, question or yeah, it is question here. It says, talks about making changes in your life, um, that you feel as though a God moves and then your life actually gets worse. Um, so I'll get your thoughts on that, but... First, first point I'd like to make in that is that it's not over yet. You know, it's not over yet, and that's I think what God is so good at. God is so good at the end game. You know, and we all go through things that at the time seem so very painful, but when because we're talking about holding on to God, when we do hold on to God with all our with all our heart and keep moving forward and keep um, in the Word is so, so super important. Um, God, God has promised to be faithful, you know, mm. and um, it's not over yet. Yeah. Your thoughts, mate? Obviously, um, not all of life, even as a Christian, is all um, roses. Um, what, would you, what advice would you give to somebody who is in the middle of something similar to that?
0: Yeah, I, I would, if you do get to that point of a new venture or new adventure, whatever it might be, and you think this isn't working, I would first ask of God, um, is there anything wrong with my character? Is there anything that I'm not um, doing properly spiritually? Um, am I forgetting something? That is it? Is it me holding this circumstance back or holding uh, myself back from what you've promised me, God? But when, if you read Jacob, and sorry to keep circling back to this, but I've been, I've just been um, really deep in this part of Genesis the last couple of weeks. Um, he works for seven years for his uncle so that he can marry number two daughter, Rachel. But on the wedding night, um, his uncle, so, uh, um, so he marries his cousin. Yes, you can put that together. It's gross. But his uncle swaps the firstborn for Leah for, um, for the secondborn on the wedding night after a, a bit too many home brews. So, um, <laughs> so he wakes up. Um, after the wedding night with the wrong bride. Um, and that, and he was furious, as you would be. However, Leah um, gave birth to Judah, and through that line, 38 generations later, 37 generations later, um, Jesus is born. So at yeah, the time, that's right. exactly. at the time, it was like, hang on, God, I've. I've given seven years to my, uh, my uncle, my employer, for this promise. He's done a dodgy with the terms and conditions. But then God's just gone, no, no, I've got this, Jacob. It's okay. I've totally got it. And so that, that might be a circumstance um, that may happen uh, in your life too. Not swapping wives, but <laughs> the fact that it might seem like it's all gone wrong, but God's gone, no, no, hang on, I've still got this. It's just a little speed bump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so just believe. Believe that God's promises um, are still going to happen in your life but also seek wise counsel, pray.
1: Yeah, Mm. God's got no other vessels to use other than us, us broken vessels, but he finds a way, doesn't he? You know, and that way is us holding on to God in faith. Um, And I'd say, you know, the, the way, the number one, the way God uses is through his word. It's knowing his word knowing his nature, getting to know who he is. You know, um, there is no shortcutting that. You know, life, life can get hard, but I can tell you, as Christians, there's no fairy dust that's sprinkled on us. You know, our protection comes through God's wisdom, his word, his ways, um, and us applying that wisdom. You know, his righteousness, which means being in right standing with God, among other things. But righteousness is doing right. You know, if we decide in our lives that we're going to chart a course that's not right, and I'm not talking yes or no, I'm talking right or wrong, you know, you're going to find that we're going to suffer consequences just like anybody else. You know, there's no fairy dust in God. He loves his children, um, but it's about relationship and there's no shortcut in getting to know God, getting to love God. Um, Now, there's some really amazing questions here, but we have run out of time.